morning, church. Everybody awake? So this is the rest of us that haven't been on vacation yet, right? Huh? I'm going to start telling everybody, y'all need to, we need to schedule our vacation so we're all, all gone the same weekend. Y'all with me? I'm just kidding. Um, I tell you, uh, this past week, um, I had, uh, we started back with our, with, with youth, with youth, we call, I'm still stuck in calling it youth, with doing students. And so, um, our connection students, and we, we got to do that, the color war, man, it was a blast. There's nothing like throwing a wad of powdered paint at some kids that'll make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> but as I thought that I was going to get the better half of them, they smoked me. They smoked me. I think there was a few of them that was gunning for me. But, uh. Anyway, we had a blast, and you know what was cool is how God was just really showing me how many people, how many kids in our, in our, in our uh, students are just hungry. They're just hungry for God. They're hungry for people to love them, and, and I had a blast, and it was just a breath of fresh air. And, um, and so uh, this, past, this next week, we're going to have, we're doing it again. We're going to have it at, um, if you have a, uh, a student that would like to come, please bring them to the church office. Um, we're going to have a movie night. We're going to have a small devotion movie night this week. So y'all bring them, um, and let's get the ball rolling again. Amen? Amen. All right. And so um, we're going to be in the book of John this morning, um, John chapter 3. That's where we're going to uh, anchor off at this morning. And uh, we're only going to preach 21 verses, maybe. We'll see if we make it that far. But uh, that's kind of where we're headed. Um, so we're just going to read through them verse by verse. And as the Lord leads, we'll expound upon them. But uh, that's kind of direction God's kind of led me in this morning. And so uh, before we go any further, let's pray, and then we're going to dive on in. Y'all with me? Amen. Father God, we come to you this morning uh, again thanking you, Lord, for your love. Uh, thank you, God, for your compassion. And uh, I just thank you, Lord, for not leaving, uh, not leaving us where you found us, Lord, not leaving me where you found me, Lord. And as I, I listen to that song, God, is how the sun sets free, that we're free indeed. Lord, there's so many people that you freed that they went back into bondage. And God, my heart breaks for that. God, there's so many of us that they're not walking in the true light of the gospel, not walking in the, in, in, in the true meaning of what it means to be set free because we're allowed, like, we got all the stuff around us that's allowed us to take our focus off of you. So God, I pray this morning that you would refocus us. I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, you would, you would just purge out the distractions from my mind, God, that you would allow us, God, to, to just experience you in a mighty way, God, that you would break strongholds that's in our mind, that, God, you would allow us to understand, God, not, not only just hear, but, God, we would understand what your word is saying. I pray, God, that you would allow us, Lord, when we leave here, to apply this to our lives. And, God, we would be your men and women, Lord, that are walking in unity with your spirits. God, help us today be the vessel you've called us to be. And Father, I pray that you would set us free from things that we're holding on to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen? All right. So, um, who's going to be happy we moved to the new school? We got four people. All right? We can hang out here in the heat if y'all want to. You know what I'm saying? But uh, hopefully, a month from now, we will be experiencing milder temperatures. Hallelujah. I'm, y'all might not be excited, but up here, it's hot. And so uh, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what God's going to do um, when we move. And, and I, just, I just, I hope that when we move to a new school, it's a new beginning for a lot of people, and we start a new life in the church, and it starts growing again. Amen? So 
that's just kind of my heart in that. So last week we were in John chapter 1, and uh, we're just going through the reading plan as we're going through our 412 reading plan. As we go through that, we're just picking um, where God's leading us to preach through what you've read upon that week so that we're kind of going through the Word together. What you've read on, we preach on, and it's, it's working great. I, I enjoy doing that. But last week we kind of talked about how, how, how in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So how Jesus Christ was God's expression to mankind of his goodness and, and how much he cared about us. And he also was our, our, how Jesus is our example, right? Y'all remember that? He's our example to follow. So we don't need to go back and listen to the podcast. You zoned out last week. But that's kind of where we, what we did last week. And, and so this week we're going to be in, in John chapter 3 talking about something that, that I don't think that we, that, we, that we preach on enough in the church today is, is really Jesus, he spent 21 verses really breaking down what it meant to be born again. And you hear, we hear those cliches, I'm a born again Christian. What are you born again into? What, 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 to be born again, what does that mean? And, and probably 80% of today's Christians don't, couldn't tell you what it means to be born again. And we're going to go through some of this. And so um, we're going to start, we're going to read verse 1 through 2 to begin with, and then we'll go through. Um, so y'all track with me. John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who have come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And so as you read that, there's a man named Nicodemus, and he's a Pharisee. So and those, a Pharisee was, was someone that studied very, very strictly, not only studied but practiced the laws of Moses. He, they practiced those things. So there was no one else more religious than the Pharisee, right? They, should, they were the cream of the crop. They were the ones that should know God more than anyone else, right? They were very religious. And so Nicodemus, he was drawn to Jesus because of the, the miracles that Jesus had been performing. He had heard of the things Jesus had done, and he realized that there's no one else that could have done these things unless they were a prophet from God. And he was trying to understand. He was, he was lured to Jesus. He was kind of drawn to him. Trying, he wanted to understand his doctrine. He wanted to understand who he was. See, the Pharisees were very educational. They, they had a lot of knowledge. But see, you can know a lot of things but miss the point, right? And so this, this Pharisee, Nicodemus, he was just, he was just, he really, he recognized that Jesus was a teacher as well. He realized that he was teaching the people amazing things, and he wanted to get in on this and see kind of what that was going, how how that could change his life if it was real. See, a lot of times we pursue things looking for a look. We're looking for a loophole, ain't we? A lot of times, we're trying to. All right, let me let me check this out. Let me make sure that that this is legit. And so, Nicodemus was coming to Jesus to find these things out. And so as, as you read this, I think a lot of times we think that Pharisees, I know me, I read Pharisees, I'm, all of a sudden wrote you off as a hypocrite, right? You know, it doesn't, because in Matthew 23, Jesus slams the Pharisees, right? Calls them a bunch of hypocrites. But all Pharisees were not hypocrites. Because Nicodemus in this text shows that his true desire, he, he was deeply sincere about his pursuit of God. 
He was truly wanting to know who Jesus was. He wasn't coming to set a trap. He wasn't coming with this false accusations. He was coming to really understand. He came to him at night. And so a lot of, a lot of people say, well, he came to him at night because nobody wanted him to know. Nobody wanted, he didn't want anyone to know that he was talking to Jesus. But a lot of scholars think that he came to him at night when he could have uninterrupted time with him. I know with me, when I spend my most precious time with Jesus, it's at night when everybody else has went to bed because I don't have, anybody, I don't have any, any, any interruptions. There's no phone calls. There's, there's no, Jeremy, come get your son because he's just tore down the house. I mean, none of that stuff is going on. I can spend, I can spend time with Jesus as long as I want to. And I think when, when you think of it on that aspect, Nicodemus was really coming to know more of God. But what's cool about this, about Nicodemus, is he was a Pharisee. He, had, he, he knew the word of God backwards and forwards, right? I mean, he knew it. He knew the whole entire Old Testament. He knew all those things. He knew everything that was pointing to the Messiah return. He knew of everything that Jesus was talking about. He knew those things, but yet he missed it. See, it's so easy for us to know the things know the right things. We know, it's even easy for us to know the gospel message and us miss the gospel. Amen? It's easy for us to be, get so caught up in, in the mundaneness of life, and next thing you know, we've just missed the whole point of what it means to follow Jesus. And so Nicodemus is a great example of what it means for someone that can be religious but miss the point. And there's people that fill our churches every single Sunday that are religious. They come to church every week. They may come to Sunday school. They may, they may show up to small group. They may even serve every single week, but yet they're just religious in their activity because their hearts are far from God. And Nicodemus is a great example of someone that had all the knowledge, but their hearts were far from God, and which is very scary. So, and, and so Jesus, he comes to Jesus, and he begins to ask Jesus some questions. When he comes to him and he asks him, you know, he wants, really wants to know who Jesus is. And Jesus responds, and I love the way Jesus responds. He, he, he kind of breaks down salvation in four ways. He breaks them down into, and the first thing he talks about is new birth. He talks about wind. He talks about a serpent. And he talks about light and dark, darkness. Now, when you read those things, it's like, now that has nothing to do. He was trying to speak to Nicodemus on Nicodemus's level, okay? I, I, we serve a God that don't try to talk over our head. He comes to us right where we are, amen? He speaks right to the situation, right to what we know, and he speaks right into the knowledge in which we have. I love that about my God. I love the fact that you don't have to know the entire Bible to go share the gospel, right? Because you can just go share what God's done in your life, and that is the gospel, Right? Come on, come on, y'all with me? Y'all, y'all, we're going to be here a while. We pre- I preached an hour last Sunday because I didn't get no amens. Y'all go, come on. Try me again. <laughs> Somebody told me last week I had the gift of continuation. And so uh, y'all just hold on. But uh, so Nicodemus was coming to Jesus, and he really, he, like, he knew all this stuff, but he still felt empty inside. You ever felt that way? Like you knew the Bible. Like you knew, the, you knew what Jesus we have a great, most of us in this room grew up in church, so we, we have a great idea of who Christ is and what Christ has done, but yet there's still this emptiness. There's still this void in there. Like, like there's more to the piece, of the, there's more to the puzzle, right? There's, there's something missing. You ever felt that way? 
There's, there's just something missing. I know I'm missing something. And, and he comes to Christ wanting to know what that something is. And then verse 3, Jesus replies. He says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they be born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they be born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying that you must be born again. So no one can see the kingdom of God unless they be born again. Jesus says must, right? He didn't say it was a good idea. He didn't say maybe. It's must. Like that's an, that's an indefinite thing, right? Y'all with me? It's indefinite. Like you have to be born again. So what does it mean to be born again? All right, does it mean that you decided to change your ways? No. Does it mean that you decided to start making yourself better? I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to quit cussing. I'm going to quit drinking. That's great you're quitting those things, but those things might not, that's, that's probably good for your health and your reputation. But it don't mean anything for your salvation. If you've if you got to first be born again, and then all those things will start falling off because you want to pursue God. Amen? And so to be first to be born again. See, this word, the word translates, this word tr again translates to mean from above. All right? To be born from above. It's like you've got a new direction. There's a new purpose. There's, there's a new understanding. There's a new direction that you're going. You're born of not of, not of flesh, but you're born of God, right? Your, your mind starts changing. Your thinking is different. Everything begins to change because you're not the same one you used to be. Now you're different. You're born from above. Y'all ain't ready for this this morning, are you? So, so though all of us are humans. All of us have, have experienced natural birth, right? Yes. Yes, that's the answer. Yes. All right. So, so he understood what that meant. But see, that supernatural thing of being born again, like being born of, 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 of God, is something that they, they, they didn't understand. They thought knowledge got them to heaven. They thought knowledge got them, you know, they thought keeping the rules, like, all right, if I know all this stuff and I just don't do this, this, and this, then I'm okay. But see, when you're born again, it changes your heart, right? It gives you a new heart. The heart is where everything starts and everything ends. So he gives you a new heart. When he gives you a new heart, your heart drives your desires. Your heart drives your passions. Your heart drives your character. So when he gives you a, when you're born again, you have a new heart, everything changes. Or it should. Go with me? And so, once again, we see the blindness of religion, how Nicodemus knew all the things, and he was like, what do you mean? Can I go back into my mother's womb? I'm taking that, to me, I'm taking that as sarcasm. Like, for sure, he didn't think that, okay? He was being sarcastic, trying to, trying to test Jesus. How many of us been, have been sarcastic with Christ? Huh? He told me to go do something, and we were kind of like, really? Huh? I mean, and I think, I think he, was, he was kind of being that way. And so, when you think about it, he was so so intentional with his thought process, he'd come to Christ and he asked him, what does it mean? He was so blinded, though he knew everything, but he was blinded by, by, by just 
what he knew. And I think a lot of us are that way. We, we, think, we're, we think we're right with God because Grandma told me so. We thought we were okay with God because, you know, at one time at Vacation Bible School, I said the sinner's prayer. Or, or one time when I was 15 years old, I said, I, I said this prayer, and I, even I was baptized. But that don't mean you were born again. That means you, you participated in some kind of religious action. See, to be born again means there's a transformation. Amen? There, there's a new direction. See, that's, that's where the modern church has gotten off, and Satan has deceived so many thinking that they're right with God, and they're going to bust hell wide open because they were never truly born again. There was nothing different in their life. And see, that situation is no different than today. So many of us talk about, you know, so many people talk about how they're born again. They discuss their family's religion. We ask somebody, you're a born-again Christian? He's like, yeah, man, my mama took me to church every Sunday. You know, they, they talk about their heritage. They talk about their church membership. I don't know how many times I've said, well, do you know Christ? It's like, yeah, I go to so-and-so church. Like, I don't care what church you go to. Do you know Jesus? And every time I cut them off with that, there's a blank stare. Y'all ever seen a fainting goat before? Oh, that's that look they give you. Like, they fitting to go out. <laughs> you know, and they just, their eyes are wild. And it's like, oh, God, he got me. What am I going to say next? You know, it's like people think that their religious ceremonies get them to heaven. Like, all right, I've been, I ask them about, do they know Jesus? A lot of times people will say, yeah, I've been baptized. I said this sinner's prayer. And, and it just so on and so on and so on. We give a list of things that we've done or things that we know, but yet when, there's somebody, when somebody is truly born again, there's a whole different purpose and a whole different direction for their life. And that's what Jesus was trying to get across to him. And so I think in a way, when Nicodemus says, how can some, he says, can, do you mean how can someone be born again? Like how can someone enter the mother's womb? Like in a way, I think he was thinking like, how can a man whose habits and ways of thinking have been fixed by age expected to change radically? You know, I heard a man tell me one day, uh, matter of fact, it was Brother Pete Wall. Pete said, if you see a man that's in his 60s or older that has that is surrendered his life to Christ, you have just witnessed an extreme miracle because us men are hard-headed, ain't we? Oh, that was your women's opportunity to say amen, but we hard-headed. And so when we think we right, we right, right? And, and, and it's, never, it's not going to change. And, and, it was, and when he told me that, I'm thinking, well, you're just saying that because you're an old man and you, you just want, there's hope for other people. And he was, I can tell him I said that. But anyway, the more I do ministry, the more I realize the older we get, the more we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. And it's so hard to change the way we think because we think the way we've always done things has always been the right way, no matter if it is the wrong way. And so the longer we live, the the harder it is to change our mindset. And so Nicodemus had been taught this his whole entire life. Nicodemus thought he was right before God because he'd done all these things. So how can he change? How can he be born again? How can he abandon everything he once knew and but yet follow this way? And Jesus says, you must be born again. See, this, I want you to understand, to be born again means to be born of the Spirit. See, that's what changes. That, that's what's missing in so many people. They, they, they know the right things, but they're not, they, don't, they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. When you have the Holy Spirit is when you truly surrender your life to Christ. When you truly surrender and you say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm not just giving you this little bit. I'm giving you my whole entire life. And then when you truly submit to him, then you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you're able to experience things you never, were, never would able, 
ever be able to encounter before. You'll encounter peace you never thought you'd have. You've been in the middle of a crisis and experienced peace. Why? Because you've got the spirit of living God inside of you. That's what it means to be born again. Y'all tracking with me? Amen. And so just as two parents, it takes two parents to have a child, right? A male and a female. Regardless of what society says, that's what it takes. And so as you go into that, you think about the same way for somebody to be born again spiritually It takes two things. It takes the Word of God and it takes the Spirit of God. And without those things, you will not be born again. See, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, when when the sinner believes them, it imparts life of God inside of them. And so that's why you can't, without the Word, you will never understand God. And without the Spirit, you will never experience God. And so, so many people are missing those two things. If you're not spending time with Jesus, then you don't know what he's saying. You're not not being sensitive to God. And if you're not being led by the Spirit, if you're not submitting to where God's leading you, then you're going to be dry and empty because you're living a purposeless life. That makes sense? All right. Y'all better speak up. So, as you think about that, in verse 5, Jesus says, Very, very, I truly, I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they be born again. See, this is important. You can't enter. You cannot enter the gates and see my Savior's face unless you be born again, unless you're truly following Christ. That's why why it it, it drives me crazy. that's, That's why every Sunday I probably bawl my eyes out and look like a fool up here because I so desire all of you to know Jesus. I so desire for every person under the side of my voice to experience what it means to walk with God. But yet so many people are uninterested. They rather have their religion. They rather check their box and come back next week so they feel better about themselves than have Christ because to have Christ means I have to change. And I don't want to change. What you're saying is you want you more than you want Christ. And you're, you're fooling yourself because you have to be born again. See, the evidence of salvation is the witness of the Spirit inside. Check that out. That's Romans 8, 9, by the way. And the Spirit, when it enters your life, it enters your life when you believe in God. Okay? Not when you know about God, when you believe in God. See, to believe in God is to actually start taking those steps of faith, right, and obeying God. So how can you believe God when you don't obey God? Ooh, come on. Y'all looking at me, I'm going to start tap dancing up here. I mean, how can you? See, we say that we believe Jesus and we're followers of Christ, but yet we're going out blatantly sinning and doing things that don't please God. I'm sorry. Let me give you this interruption to your life for this moment, but you're going to, you're not right. You're wrong. You can't live apart from Christ. You can't live apart from God and say that you know Jesus when to know Jesus means you are willing to let go of everything to please Jesus. And if you're full with, if you got the Spirit of God inside of you and that's what you're submitting to, the Spirit's not going to lead you to the places you went last week. Come on. The Spirit is not going to lead you to to sin. It's, it's only your flesh that's leading you to sin. So if you find yourself falling into the sin, then that means there's more flesh than there more is there other spirit inside of you. I'm making sense. My words running together. My mouth is not going as fast as my mind wants it to go some days. So that's the thing. Like, I want you to understand the, the, the reality of that is how, how children 
See, if we're supposed to be a child of God, right? We're supposed to be born again. Children, they inherit the nature of the parents, right? That's scary. That's scary. I look at my little boy. Me and my wife, we cut up all the time. Pacing uh, the other day. I took something from him. He stood there, and he gritted his teeth and said, like that. And I was like, what in the world? Sabrina's like, you acting like your daddy. You acting like your daddy. You know, he, he, he'll get up and start acting crazy and running around the house. And I said, you acting like your mama just cutting up with Sabrina. But, see, our children, which is scary, they do inherit our, our character. We, a lot of times we can look at our children and see where we went wrong. But the thing is, is that same thing with our walk with God. See, we should inherit the character of God if we are children of God. Amen? We should inherit God's attributes. We should have that, that, that the fruits of the Spirit because if we're a child of God. It, it's not an exception. That's not, oh, if you're holy enough. No, if you're a child of God, you will experience these things. If you're not experiencing these things, then you need to check where your heart is. And so... And our nature really determines our appetite for things, right? My little boy, he, 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 loves, he loves cars, he loves fishing, and he will love hunting pretty soon. You know why? Because that's me. And, that's, and he's just around me. He's, and he, I tell Sabrina all the time, how in the world does he pick up this stuff? And she's like, I don't know, he's just with you. I was like, well, don't let him hang around daddy too long. Amen. I'm just playing. But my daddy... My, 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 his granddaddy. I tell daddy that all the time. But he picks up on the, you pick up on those things, right? And so if you're a follower of Christ, then your nature, your appetite should be bent toward the things that please God, not toward the things that please the flesh. That's what, it, that's, that's what he's trying to tell us. And so our appetite, our, our nature determines our appetite, which explains why Christians should have the appetite for things of God. And see, that's, that's one thing that I didn't... When I just went to church on Sundays, I wasn't thinking about the things of God. I was only thinking about the things that made me happy. I was thinking about that next dollar, that next toy. I was thinking about that next beer. I was thinking about that next party. All that stuff was on my mind. But once I started following Christ, and I really was born again, I started wanting to love people that I didn't really like that much before. I started wanting to, to tell people about Christ that I, I never really had that desire before. That's how I knew I was saved. Like I, Before I started preaching, I would sit in the middle, and I didn't want nobody to recognize me in there. I just, I just, I, and then God began to, to move on me to preach. And once one thing I told my pastor, I thought that God would tell me to preach. And he was like, if, he, if you're, he's calling you to preach, then that must be God because I know you wouldn't do this on your own. Y'all see me talk up here, and you think, oh, you're just a motor mouth. You like to talk. I, just didn't, I didn't like to do that before. When you start being submitted to God, he begins to, to mold you and shape you and pull you out of your comfort zone. Amen? Anybody experience that? Anybody? We've got two, three people, five people. Come on. We've got an auctioneer up in here. See, there you go. You experience those things. And so when, you're, when, when, when you have that nature inside of you, then you don't desire the foul things of this world. You don't desire the sin. You don't desire the attitudes. You don't desire what you once had. Once had when you're full, of, when you're walking, when you're full of the Spirit, right? And so, a man or, or a man or woman that is that is born again, you you desire to feed upon the Word of God that grows you into spiritual maturity, right? And so, all of us we should be growing into maturity so that we can be the light around the world. We should be 
disciples that make disciples. So a church of people that is not making disciples means that neither one, either they're a bunch of infants or hardly any of them are born again. Because to know Christ means to be born again, right? To know Christ means to grow, and you want to know Christ. You're, you're made into the likeness of Jesus, so you're growing more and more into the likeness of Christ. And the more I grow into Christ, the more I'm going to do the works of Christ. I'm going to live out the mission of Christ, and I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. Amen? So if I'm not walking in that direction, then what's blocking me? I want us to understand that birth involves life. How we live determines about, it shows if we've really been born again, right? I'm alive, so I have been born. If you're walking with God, then it shows that you've been born again. You don't have to manufacture, you can't manufacture Christians no more than you can manufacture babies, right? It's, it's, the only way to God's, to God's family is through new birth. That's, that's in John 1, 11 through 13. If you want to write that down to go back, check it. But see, also birth involves the future. I love this. It involves the future. And so, so we, 1 Peter 1 through 3 says that we are born again to a living hope. Amen. We're born to a living hope. We're born into the hope of seeing Christ. So we're not just born again just... Just, just to get God's attributes, we're born for a purpose to be able to see Christ. Amen? When we're born again, like, I, I, don't, I used to not desire to see Jesus before. I wanted to see Benjamin. You with me? <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't desire to see Christ. But now, it's like when I wake up in the morning, y'all may think I'm morbid. I'm like, man, maybe today's the day. I woke up this morning, I woke up, and, and, and my little boy was, was like, had his foot up beside my neck, and I'm like, maybe today is the day that Jesus is going to come back. You know, I, I wake up with that expectancy. I didn't have that before. Do you wake up, like, desiring to see Christ? Some of you are in the middle of some bad stuff, and you're like, yeah, I wish you'd come back right now to get me out of my misery. But, but, in, but in the good part of life, are you wanting to see, even the best that life has to offer is still empty without Christ. That's what's so phenomenal about it. Because when you're, when you, when you're filled with the Spirit and you're, born, you're truly born again, the thing is, is that there's this desire to know Christ. There's this, there's this, I tell people, I just traded one addiction for another. I got rid of alcohol and I picked up Christ because I can't get enough of him. I'm always drawn to him. I always want more of him. Y'all with me? If anybody's ever experienced addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But see, that, that's the thing. Like, I, I want more of Christ because I know what he's done for me. And so Jesus, he asserted that the entrance into the kingdom of God that Nicodemus desired could only be, couldn't be achieved by his legalism. It couldn't be achieved by his outward conformity. It couldn't be achieved by how religious and how good of a man people thought he was. Jesus says it requires an interchange. That's what being born again means. To be a born again follower of Jesus Christ, there is a change inside of you to love Christ and to walk away from who you once were. And so the next thing is Jesus talks about, he talks about the wind, right? And so verse 8 says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus says. 
and you don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still you people do not, understand, do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And so Jesus talks about the wind. And so you understand he was trying to speak to Nicodemus in terms he would understand, right? So the wind is, is in those days, even, the, even to this day, the wind is, is pretty much, is, for Hebrew and Greek, is translated as spirit, right? And so he's talking about how the spirit should, should blow us, how the spirit should move us. And so he's talking to Nicodemus about the spirit and how, and Jesus uses this symbol because it should have brought Nicodemus back to what he knew, right? It should have brought him back to Ezekiel, verse 37. It should have brought him back to where um, the prophet saw a valley full of dry bones, right? Y'all, I love this story. Y'all, y'all know the story? He brought, he brought he, he, the prophet saw a valley of dry bones, but when he prophesied to the wind, the spirit came and gave the bones life again. And see, and you got to think this combination, right? It was the word of God with the spirit of God that made life, Amen. And so you won't experience life without either one of those. It takes both. And so the whole nation of Israel, including Nicodemus, they they were dead. They were hopeless, right? There was no hope for them. But in spite of all their moral and religiousness of themselves, they needed the life of the Spirit inside of them. See, that's what I'm saying. You can, I know some of the greatest people that know the Word of God backwards and forwards, but they're, they're seeking more because they're, they're missing the point of being submitted to the Spirit. And see, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, so many people get all hokey about that. They get all kind of, they, they think you're being crazy. But see, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit is that it's unexplainable. See, can you see the wind when it blows? If it wasn't for the leaves, you'd never know it. But you know that it's the wind because you feel it, right? And so the Spirit enables you to feel the presence of God. And so that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit leads you. The Spirit guides you. That's, what, that's why God gave us the Spirit. He was trying to make Nicodemus understand that he's just doing these things out of religious, like he has to. It was out of duty to do those things. But when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you're doing those things out of the heart to love God that you didn't have before. So you're motivated to please God, not because of obligation, not because the Bible said so, but because I love Jesus. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? All right. This this has been a hard text to to teach, but I'm I'm trying my best, so y'all just bear with me. So yielding to the Spirit is is proof of being born again. Okay? So if you want to know if you're true, so many people struggle with their salvation. Am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? The, the answer is, are you being led by the Spirit? Is there something inside of you that is leading you away from sin? Because if there's something inside of you leading you away from sin, then that's the Holy Spirit in you. Amen? Somebody should be happy. I know some of you have been doubting your salvation all your whole life. Do you, and, and to really know Jesus means you're led by the Spirit. If you're not led by the Spirit away from sin, then, then you're not born again. So Nicodemus, he, he's standing there asking Jesus all these questions. And yet he just can't understand it. See, knowledge without applying it is useless. Y'all with me? 
You can know all the things you want to, but it's useless if you don't apply it to your life. Your life shows who you are. Your life shows who you are. Some of y'all need to write that down on the refrigerator with a magic marker. Your life shows who you are. Your coworkers know who you are. We come to church and put this mask on and think that we can just show up and that's okay. But the reality is, if we're not living it out every single day, missional for Jesus, then we're just missing the whole entire point. And we're no different than Nicodemus. We can know the right things and still bust hell wide open. Satan knows Jesus. Satan knows the word better than any preacher in the, in, in the world. He knows it, but he chooses not to submit to God because he wants to do his own thing. So how can we think that we can go to church and be better than Satan? And I know that's pretty strong to think about that, but that's the reality. We want to hang on to our lifestyle. We want to hang on to the things that, that we want to hang on to and still have Jesus. And he's telling us that unless we're born again, unless our desires change, then we won't have him at all. And the only way that we will let go of that lifestyle, the only way that we will truly, truly please him is being led by his spirit. That's the only thing that, that, that really kept pressing upon me, the things that I need to let go of. Was, was his spirit touching, touching me like, Jeremy, you need, to, you need to drop this. You need to quit that. I didn't, I didn't start following Christ because I, if I would have known, I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be straight with y'all guys? If I would have known that, that in order to please God, that I would have had to get rid of my whole friend group, you know, my, my boys, everybody that I hung out with, my crew, if I would have known that I had to walk away from that to begin with, somebody would have said, Jeremy, in order to please God, you got to quit hanging out with that riffraff. You know what? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have chose God because that was all that I knew. That was who I knew from, my, from my, how I grew up. Everything, every, everything that I had done, they were there for me. So how am I going to walk away from that? But instead of thinking about what I was going to lose, I focused on what I was going to receive. And so as long as my eyes are on Christ, all the other stuff just fell off, right? I didn't have to let none of my friends go. They let me go because I was this weird dude that all of a sudden started following Jesus. Y'all with me? They couldn't. I started, they, they got a Budweiser in their hand, and I'm talking about how good God is, and they, like, start hiding it. You know, the preacher's here, and I wasn't even a preacher yet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you start following Christ, it shows the way you live. It comes out of your mouth. When I fell in love with Sabrina, like, my mom and daddy hadn't even met her yet. And I, we'd been dating two or three months. And, I, I mean, I was telling them about how awesome she was. And my daddy was like, well, I can't wait to meet this girl. She ought to look like Cindy Crawford. You know, daddy was like, she ought to be a supermodel, much as you say how beautiful she is. I had fell in love. I talked about her all the time. Why? Because I loved her. Amen? My daddy always said, well, this is just a hotel because all you spend the rest of the time at, your, at, at her house. I wanted to see her. I wanted to be around her. Why? Because I love her. See, when you love Jesus, when you love God, you want to be around him. You want to be in his presence all the time, right? Every, you talk about him all the time. Why? Because you are what you love. Amen? And to be born again means that you love God and you're, and you're, you're led by his spirit. The next thing, and I promise we're going to move really quick through this, but the next thing in verse 14 it says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that who shall ever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And so he brings him to a point of of talking about what in the world does a snake have to do with salvation, right? What does a serpent have to do with being born again? Again, he's going back to Nicodemus trying to bring him back to the Old Testament so he, so he could visualize something, so something that he would know, okay? So he brings him back to, let me find my notes. He brings him back to Numbers 21, okay? Verses 4 through 9, when, when something that he would be familiar with is the story of sin, right, for the whole nation of Israel. When, when Moses, Moses had to, had to punish them because they were rebelling against God. Y'all remember the story? And so God sent a, he sent a pile of serpents, venomous snakes to bite the people so that many died. So, but then the only way that you would survive is if this snake that was made, God gave Moses this snake, this serpent, it was this, it was this bronze staff. And you had to look at the serpent with faith, and it would be, you'd be healed, right? And so what he was trying to tell him understand is that, that sin kills us, amen? Sin destroys us. So the people, people that sin, they died. But you see, it's also a story of grace because Moses had to intercede for the people. He had to intercede for them for a remedy. He told Moses to make this brass serpent and lift the pole up to see, for all to see. And all, all the people that were struck by it, who looked at the serpent, would immediately be healed. So it's also a story of faith. Okay, so it's more about faith than it is about anything. So the only, you have to be born again, right? You have to be led by the Spirit, and you also have to have faith in God, right? You have to have faith in order, that, that, that's fruit of being born again, having faith. Let me tell you, if I'm bit by a snake, and I know the only way I'm going to live, that i got to look in the eyes of this thing, Chances are I'm going to have a lot of faith because you know, I know that I'm dying without a remedy. You know what I'm saying? I've thought of many a time out in the woods surveying. If I get bit right here, I'm dead. I ain't making it to the truck. It's just going to be me and you, God. If I'm going to have to pray, and, and, and if you want me to live, I'm going to live. You're going to heal me because I know that if I get bit out here. Like my faith was up there. Like I know that I was, I was dead without him. See, so many times the reason people don't, don't have that faith is because they don't realize that they're hopeless without him in a situation. That, and God's wanting you to realize that we have to have faith in him in all circumstances. See, the product of being born again means that we're full of the Spirit. We're also walking in faith. That making sense? Some of y'all was lying, but all right, we'll keep going. But that's the thing, like, the, also, he talks about that, how they had to lift the serpent up, Okay. And we're going to close out. But the verb here, lifted up, has a dual meaning, right? It means, to, it means to exalt, but also means to glorify. And he used the same language when Jesus was crucified. He said, the Son of Man will be lifted up, right? And so he was, bringing, he was also trying to reveal himself to Nicodemus, making him realize that, hey, I'm going to, be, I'm going to have to be crucified. I'm, I'm going to have to die for the sins of you, Nicodemus, so that if, if you believe and follow me, then you will have eternal life. But yet Nicodemus was still blinded by what he knew. And so much of that, that serpent being lifted up on the pole, the Son of God will be lifted up on the cross. Why? Why did the Son have to be lifted up? Why? Before we could have eternal life. 
so that we would experience eternal life. See, this whole camp of Israel, the solution to the serpent problem was not killing the serpents, right? It wasn't making medicine. It wasn't pretending um, that, they, that, that, they were, that, that the snakes weren't even there, right? The whole cure to that, the whole cure was the answer was them looking up to it in faith. See, we have to have faith in God and look to him and have faith that, that he did what he said he did on the cross, that he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. Amen? Y'all making me work for it today. See, the whole, I want you to think about this snake thing, though. He's wanting him to understand that the whole world has been bitten by sin, right? The wages of sin is death. That's Romans 6, 6, 6 23, sorry. And God sent his son to die, not only for Israel, but for the whole world. So how is a poor person born from above? How is he or she saved from eternal perishing? How? By believing on Jesus Christ and looking to him in faith. Right? That's how it happens. You, you have to believe in faith. You have to believe in Christ. And then when you believe in him, by faith, by believing, means you, you acknowledge that and you take steps toward him. You're born again in that moment and you're filled with the spirit of God when you, as you pursue him. I love this story. I love this story of one of my most favorite pastors that I read about a lot. On, on January 6th of 1850, there was a snowstorm that blew in, and it crippled this little town in England. And a teenage boy, he was, he was unable to go to church where he usually attended because of the snowstorm. So he made his way to this primitive Methodist church, little chapel, where a layman that wasn't really prepared to preach began to give a message. And his text was Isaiah 45, 22. And the text says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all ends of the earth. For many months, this teenage boy, he had been miserable and under deep conviction. Even though he had been raised up in church, even though both his father and his grandfather were preachers, okay? He didn't have the assurance of salvation. This unprepared little minister here, he didn't know what to preach. I've been that way before. So he just kept repeating the same thing. He said, a man need not go to college to learn to look, he shouted. Anyone can look. A child can look. And at that time, he saw this young man sitting there because he was a stranger. He was different. And he pointed to the young man. He said, young man, you look miserable. Young man, look to Christ. And the young man looked in faith and truly surrendered his life to Jesus Christ right there on that snowy day. And that's how the great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, was saved. Something so simple. But so many times, we so much look at our circumstances instead of looking to Jesus. So many times, we look at our past instead of looking to Jesus. So many times, we look at everything around us instead of looking to Jesus. And it's so simple, but yet we complicate it so much. Jesus says we cannot know the kingdom of God unless we be born again. And the last thing that he says, and I'll close on this, I promise I will. He says, verses um, verses 19 through 21 talks about light and darkness. Talks about how, how we, can't, we can't know God and still be in the dark. 
It says, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who, hates, who, who does evil hates the light and, what, and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds will be exposed. And so Jesus continues talking about what makes you come out of the darkness and into light? Repentance does. Repentance does. See, it's faith and then repentance, turning from and walking into the light. He's trying to let Nicodemus understand that to be born again means that, that, you're, that you've got a new purpose, that your heart's changed, but also that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that you have faith and believing in God, and also that you pursue the light. You're walking away from darkness. You cannot say that you're a born-again Christian and still be in darkness. You can't be a born-again Christian and still live in sin. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you think. If it's contrary to this book, then it's wrong. See, God's Word says that we should live by His Word. If your lifestyle's not matching up to God, mine didn't either, but I left my lifestyle for Jesus. I left what God wanted me. I left what I wanted in order for what God wanted me to have. Y'all with me? And so, so many people think that they can live any way they want to because they're a good person, because they go to church, because all these different things, and still be right with God. But he says you cannot stay in darkness and be in light. And so many people won't come to Jesus because they're afraid that when they start walking, that some of the dirtiness will be exposed. And, but I want to give you some confidence today. I've never took and taken a step closer to God that I had to remove anything. Y'all with me? I didn't have to remove anything. I just came to God and I said, Lord, I want you more than this alcohol. My God removed it. God, I want you more than this filthy mouth. God removed it. I want you more, God, than this lustful thought that keeps coming to my mind. Let me tell you, my God removed it. Often we say we want things, but we are still standing in the dark saying we want to be in the light. You won't get those things removed until you start walking in the light because the more you're walking closer to Christ, the more those things fall off of you because you're not pursuing those things anymore. You're pursuing Christ. Amen? And that's fruit of a man or a woman that is born again that's truly walking with God. Freedom. Amen. Freedom. That's what it's all about. You know, it's crazy because so many people won't persist their own evil deeds. They pursue their own things, and they wonder why they're always feeling empty. Why are they just going through the motions of things? Why does this stuff keep coming back? It's because you keep entertaining it. Stop entertaining the darkness and pursue Jesus. The closer sin gets to the light, the more it will be exposed. Man, that's awesome to me. Because I want to be like Christ, right? When you're born again, you got this new purpose, this new desire, right? You want to know Him. You want to be, uh, just, you want Him to know you on a personal level. You want Him to be approved. You, want, you just want God more than anything. You want to look like Christ. And so when you want to look like Christ, you know that you can't cheat on your spouse and look like Christ. So I don't cheat on my spouse because I want to know Jesus more intimately. Amen. You walk away from the sin to pursue the Savior. See, it's not an intellectual problem that keeps people from trusting in Jesus. It's a moral and spiritual blindness what keeps them from that, from loving them. And they love the darkness more than the light. John 1, 1 John 1, 5 through 6 says, If we walk in unrepentant sin, we walk in darkness. And thus we lie to ourselves. We are not walking in the truth of God, but in our own fantasy. 
That's real talk right there from right there in the black, white, and red, baby. How can we say that we're born again when we're intentionally walking in sin? The church of Jesus Christ in America needs a purging. The church of Jesus Christ in Georgia needs purging. The church in Jenkins County needs purging. And it needs men and women that are truly born again. It needs men and women that are truly pursuing God instead of themselves. Not people that can play this religious game every Sunday. Not people to come to church. But people that want God more than they want themselves. I want God more than I want to, to, to appease my mate. I, I, want, I want God more than I want to appease my friends. Like I, I want God more than I want anything. I'm going to spend time with God. So many people say they don't have time to spend with Jesus because they don't value him like they say they do. If you really love Jesus Christ like you say you love Jesus Christ, then by God, work and wait. I'll get up early. I'll do whatever it takes to please God because I want Him more than anything else. I'm not telling you go quit your job tomorrow. Don't do that. Somebody be calling me, want me to pay their bills. I'm just telling you. The reality is, is when you truly love Jesus, He's all that matters, right? It's Him that you want to please more than anything else. You don't care about the boyfriend. You don't care about the girlfriend. You care about Christ. And if they love you, they'll start following Jesus too. Don't worry about them. Let the cards fall where they fall. Amen? Let's be intentional. Let's be people that are pursuing Christ. Born-again Christians walk away from sin. Born-again Christians are people walking in faith. Born-again Christians are people that are walking in tune with the Holy Spirit. And so that's the, that's the litmus test today. That's what you got to lay your life upside and say, am I born again? Is there things I'm holding on to? Are there tendencies that I need to drop? What's going on in my life? He says, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom. If you will stand. Usually I do a little hand raise and say, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. Sometimes I think that's too easy. I'm going to be standing right here. And if God's moving in your heart and you realize that you've not truly been born again, that you truly haven't surrendered your life to God, then I'm right here. Come here, grab my hand, let's pray. If there's stuff on your heart, if there's, if there's sin that you're struggling with, church, you with me? If there's sin in your heart, if there's stuff you're struggling with, if there's sin that you've been walking in, if you know that what you've been doing doesn't please God, then this is the place to rid yourself of it. Right here, right here at this altar. Come rid yourself of that thing. Come, confess it, repent of it, and leave it here. And when you walk away, be freed from it. Amen. And so many of us are just so struck by pride that we don't want to admit we got a problem. We're scared our neighbor is going to know. And to be the reality, if I would just pull back the mask you got on your face right now, everyone in this room needs to confess something. Do the work that God's putting on your heart to do. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. Let's be the genuine followers that he wants us to be. Let's stop being this fake church. Amen. Let's do it. Amen. Father God, we come to you right now. And God, I ask you and I beg you, Lord, to... God, help us see you for who you are. God, I, I, this, this religion has got a, got a hard grasp on the American church. And Lord, it's what we've all grown up in. We have a, a, a loose affiliation with you, Jesus. But yet, there's no concrete evidence in our lives of so many people that, that we truly know you, God. I pray, Lord, that, that if anyone under the sound of my voice don't know you, then God convict them. Show them they're not been born again. Show them there's no evidence of birth in their life. God, move in their life. Move in their hearts. I pray no one leaves here today without being born again. 
God move in their life. So I pray, God, that if anyone in this room is walking in a dryness, is walking away, Lord, not walking, they've allowed work, they've allowed their schedule, they've allowed their, their families, they've allowed life to come in and creep out the, the, the voice of you, Holy Spirit, in their life. I pray, God, they would come and they would they would come and, and confess, Lord, and, and ask for forgiveness, Lord, for, for just putting all this stuff in front of you. I pray, God, that you would just bust us loose, Lord. There's so many of us that struggle with being our life is being just consumed by the thorns of life and we're not productive for your gospel. We're not productive for your ministry because we're consumed with us instead of consumed by you. So God, captivate us again today, Lord Jesus, I beg you. God, we ask you to move so that we're people full of faith. And God, I ask you to move in our lives, Lord. And if we're walking in sin, if it's unforgiveness, if it's adultery, God, if it's lust, Lord, if it's doubt, whatever, God, whatever we're walking in that, 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 you know, that we know is not pleasing to you, then God, I pray that we would confess those things and have faith and turn away so that we can be your radiant church that's without staying a record, Lord God. Help us be holy, Lord. You desire holiness, Jesus. You desire holiness. Not hold in us. God, I pray that you would move in us, Lord. And the voids that we have in our heart, I pray that you would fill them today, Lord. You would make us whole. God, I beg you to do the work that only you can do. It's in Jesus' name I pray.